Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 230? No, 240. Damn. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Here at Restaurant Unstoppable, we're always gathering advice on how to get that initial capital to open a restaurant. And the answer, more often than others, is get a solid business plan put together. But sometimes we have no experience on how to do that. We don't even know what a solid business plan looks like. It can be intimidating. It can actually be downright scary. But it doesn't have to be with Live Plan. To learn more, head over to www.liveplan.com slash unstoppable. Again, that's www.liveplan.com forward slash unstoppable. So with excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, co-author of The Go-Giver, Bob Berg. Bob, tell me you're feeling unstoppable today. Well, Eric, uh, speaking with you, it's impossible to not feel unstoppable. (laughs) Uh, I appreciate you saying that. I can't wait to fill the listeners in on who you are and your book and to to really dive into why we need to check out this incredible resource. So uh, Bob Berg is a sought-after speaker at company leadership in sales conferences on topics at the core of the Go-Giver books. In addition to co-authoring the best-selling Go-Giver books with John David Mann, Bob has authored a number of popular books with book sales well over a million copies. He was named by the American Management Association as one of the top 30 most influential thought leaders in business for 2014. You can find his work, including books, blog, podcast, and video series at Berg, B-U-R-G.com and thegogiver.com. Uh, Bob, obviously a huge aerial view of who you are, what you've accomplished, what you're doing. I can't wait to learn more. But before we do that, let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra. What do you have for us today? Well, let's say that your income is determined by the number of people you serve and how well you serve them. Ooh, I love it. And uh, we're going to dive into that with one of the the five, uh, I always, stratos- uh, stratospheric laws of success. I, str- I struggle saying that for some reason. <laughs> well, it's a, it's a, it's a tongue twister. Uh, yeah, we're, we're going to cover this. It's, it's one of those uh, things that are going to come up in those five stratospheric laws of success. Uh, and I can't wait to dive into that whole philosophy a little bit more. But why don't we um, just learn more about you? Like, what were you doing pre-Go-Giver? And like, how did you get to the point of authoring this book? Well, very quickly, I began as a broadcaster. I started in radio, and then I was in television. I was a television news guy, the late-night news guy for uh, a small ABC affiliate in the Midwest. Wasn't particularly good at that. I was 24 years old. I had no idea of the news, and uh, I didn't care. <laughs> and that, so I was probably a little bit too positive for the medium anyway. My idea of a good newscast opening would have been something like, Good evening, everyone. I'm Bob Berg in the news tonight. 
everything's great. Are you feeling unstoppable? Yeah, right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Go to bed. We'll let you know if something comes up. And so that, you know, that wasn't uh, uh, wasn't real good for a, a newsman. So uh, I graduated into sales. Uh, the challenge was I knew nothing about sales. So I floundered for several months uh, until I came across a couple of books. Now, this is 35 years ago and uh, a little bit more than that, actually. And I, I found some books by uh, Lou Luminaries such as Tom Hopkins and Zig Ziglar, and I began studying them. And within a very short period of time, my sales began to go through the roof. Now, why? What was the difference between where I was at a certain point and then where I was after reading their book? Well, I had the knowledge. Mm. Uh, I had the the systems, if you will. I I had information that allowed me to, uh, uh, to be successful. And I think... You know, that's very relatable to, to the restaurant profession. Because let's face it, uh, if you want to, if you want to be a great chef, you learn from a chef. You know, you don't just start from scratch and just start making up your own things. If you, if you want to know how to manage a restaurant, know money, know how many rules need to be ordered and how many this or that, you, you work in a restaurant first, you study it, you learn it. And I just call it having a system. And I, uh, I define a system as simply the process of predictably achieving a goal based on a logical and specific set of how-to principles. Uh, the key being predictability. If it's been proven that by doing A, you'll get the desired result of, of B, then you know that all you need to do is A and continue to do A, and eventually you'll get the desired results of, of B. Yeah, and so yeah, then that's really how I began to to be successful in selling. I ended up sales manager of a company and uh, started teaching people what was working for me, and eventually began to uh, speak professionally. Okay. and have been doing this for quite a while now. And then you know my first book was Endless Referrals, which was on business networking, was a how to book. Mm-hmm. And then years later, uh, you know, came up with the idea of a business parable, which is what the Go Giver is, and. Uh, John David Mann, a fantastic writer and storyteller, uh, agreed to collaborate with me. Thank goodness, because he's really the person who made this book sing as it did. And uh, you know, it's been a good, uh, been a good collaboration. The book's been out about eight years now and uh, has done well. Yeah, and it's such an incredible book. Uh, I mean, you, we'll dive into why it's so incredible when we're going over those five laws of stratospheric success. But your story really just resonates with me, Bob, because it's so. I feel like there's a lot of similarities uh, in our lives of just starting off doing something that just wasn't right for us. We weren't happy, um, and me being a commercial pilot, like it just never brought out my my mm-hmm. full uh, strengths. Just loving to be with people, to be socially like you know socially intelligent is where I'm strong. I like to think mm-hmm. my EQ is way higher than my IQ. Let me <laughs> same um, here, exactly. <laughs> but uh, it, one, of the, I mean, here are the few of the uh, the lessons I took away just from listening to you, um, and that I think that we can all do in our lives to kind of just go down the right path, and that is do something you're, you're you're passionate about that you're good at that that highlights your your natural strengths. I I pulled that from your story. Reading is so important too. It's another thing I want to mention. You started diving into content. You started working on improving yourself, becoming a better person, and and you know and sharpening the sword, as they say. And then uh, another thing you mentioned is finding mentors, like going to work for people in the restaurant industry. Uh, 
all the people I've interviewed, Bob, um, very few of them, very, very few of them had no restaurant experience. A lot of them are so successful because they, they got to where they are on the backs of other people, uh, learning from these people, uh, using that name, that, that brand is, you know, association to get the investment that they need or just to be opening restaurants underneath these people and having them continue to, to serve them as mentors. Mm-hmm. I mean, all these things that kind of came up from just listening to you talk. So great way to start off this interview, Bob. I love it. Um, oh, thank you. Yeah. So uh, I guess let's try to dive into these five laws of stratospheric success. And um, what we're going to be doing, if you're listening right now, just uh, to give you an idea of what's to come, we're going to go over these laws. I've actually had, uh, I've covered this book before, episode 41. So that was, you know, way back. We have 200 and. 39 episodes now. I think this is 239. Wow. So that's how long ago I discovered your book and how much, uh, you know, how it's been influencing me from the very beginning. So I actually did that episode where, where I cover these laws, but now we're going to go back and forth and really just discuss how these laws apply to uh, the restaurant professional, how we can use these laws in our lives. So uh, the first law, the law of value, your true worth is determined by how much more you give in value than you take in payment. So what what does that uh, law say to you? Sure. Now, and, and when you first hear that law, it, it sounds counterproductive. It's very counterintuitive. Mm-hmm. Give more in value than you take in payment. How am I supposed to run a restaurant that way? I, uh, I'd go bankrupt. Now, first, let's understand that all five of these laws are really based on a very, very basic premise. And the premise is simply that shifting your focus, and this is the key, shifting your focus from getting to Giving, And when we say giving in this context, we simply mean constantly and consistently providing value to others. And that doing so is not only a nice way to to live life and conduct business, it's a very financially profitable way as well. Mm -hmm. So, excuse me, and this is simply based on on human nature. You know, nobody's going to come to your restaurant because you need the money. Uh, they're not going to come to the restaurant because you have to make your rent payment. They're, they're not going to come to your restaurant because you're a really nice person. They're going to come to your restaurant because they believe there is more value to them in doing so than in not doing so. Mm-hmm. So when we say give more in value than we take in payment, what do we mean? We certainly don't mean uh, give so much food for the price that you're going to lose money. Of, of course not. What we mean is that we understand the difference between price and value. Uh, Price is a dollar amount. It's a dollar figure. It's finite. It is what it is. Value, on the other hand, is the relative worth or desirability of a thing, of something, to the end user or beholder. In other words, what is it about this thing, this product, service, concept, idea that brings so much worth or value with it that, that, that someone will willingly exchange their money for it and be ecstatic that they did while you also make a very healthy profit. Let's take uh, Ernesto Iafrate from the story. Yes. Uh, he, he owned uh, Iafrate's Italian Cafe. Now, he started out with a hot dog stand. Yeah. A hot dog is a hot dog. I mean, some are better than others, but but basically it's a commodity. It's a, it's a hot dog. Uh, you know, and, and so you charge a certain amount for it. That's it. Except that that Ernesto did something more. He made it a buying experience. Mm-hmm. He made people feel good about themselves. He remembered them. He entertained them. He made it fun. So people told other people about it. Business people, you know, took their, their lunch hour there and hung out. And so I mean, he made a whole, 
and because of this, he was able to bring in a lot of income. Now, his his hot dogs certainly cost him less than what he was charging for them, mm-hmm. but he was giving much more in use value than what he was taking in payment. Now, he has his restaurant, Iafrate's Italian Cafe. It's described as an upscale uh, uh, restaurant and a, a swanky part of the village, so you know that it was costing you a pretty penny to go there. But when you, from the time you got there and uh, they opened the doors for you and they brought you over to uh, Sal, the maitre d, who treated you as the VIP you are as he escorted you over to the table where the wait team was there to take your order and and greet you and and they had that knack of knowing when to be responsive and when to kind of leave you alone to enjoy enjoy the meal and the company. The ambiance was wonderful. The food was certainly fantastic, but as Ernesto said himself, there's others that also had great food. It was presented wonderfully, of course, but the big thing was the experience, how they made you feel. It may have cost you a hundred bucks or a couple of hundred bucks to eat there, but you came away from it feeling like a million bucks. Mm. So they gave you more in value than they took in payment. But remember, Ernesto's costs of food, uh, his uh, you know, staff, his, his overhead was a lot less than what he was charging for the food. Mm-hmm. So he gave more in value than he took in payment. So both parties profited. Yeah, there's there's so uh, much to take away from that story of Ernesto. Just even like the kind of like the the, the lessons that are like in between the lines, like starting small and you know uh, scaling into something big and just becoming you know he basically in the story becomes this massive restaurateur owning all mm-hmm. these properties. But there's a right. lesson in that. But really, uh, for me, the underlying uh, messages in this book were you know it's a book about service, like just service and uh, personal growth and living a life of service, and that's kind of what this book means to me. And in this book. I mean, what, what can we do in this first law in our restaurants uh, to increase those gaps, to increase those margins for what we perceive, you know, for, for the, the cost is to what we can, you know, do to go the extra mile. And I was reading Ari Weinswag's, uh, like, he has this book about service, a small, like, 120-page book I was reading. I can't think of it. But uh, in that book, he talks about uh, three steps to great service. And it's just figuring out what the, the customer wants is the first step. And the second step is get it for them, whatever that service is, accurately, politely, and enthusiastically. And that third step, the most important one, is go the extra mile. And that's what I'm hearing you talk about is, is what we do to go the extra mile, to show that we really care. And like to me, like that's what we can do in our restaurants is to not meet expectations, but to blow expectations out of the water. And that's where we shine. Sure. And there are also, by the way, very simple things we can do in order to do that. Uh, you, you look at the, at the Ritz-Carlton uh, Hotel. Mm-hmm. And and how when someone comes in, when when a guest contact employee sees a, a guest, they never say hi, hey, or how you doing. It's always good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. How easy is it for the for the uh, the host to greet that way, and for the wait staff to greet that way, and the manager to greet mm-hmm. that way? We also know that when we when when we ask them uh, at the the Ritz Carlton to uh, to help us, and of course they they do, and they do it with a great attitude. When we say thank you, they don't say no problem. They'll never say no problem. They won't even say you're welcome. They'll say my pleasure. Mm-hmm. Now we think, okay, but that's the Ritz Carlton. They're a big time and they have all the training and they can, you know what? First of all, uh, let's put the restaurant profession aside. Let's, let's just go to the hospitality industry. Any hotel, motel, large or small could do the same thing. Uh, uh, Marriott, Hyatt, Weston, very great properties, by the way. 
in, could do that, and sometimes they do, but not always. Mm-hmm. Super 8 Hotel could do it. Motel 6, where uh, Tom Bodette leaves the lights on for us, mm-hmm. <laughs> they could do it too. And so could Dave and Mary's stop and stay in uh, uh, motel. You know, uh, they, they and their team of six people could, could do it too, but they usually don't. Um, now, here, here's the thing. Someone said, okay, well, Bob, I get what you're saying, but let's face it, Dave and Mary and their team of, of six or seven employees, they could say, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and my pleasure till the cows come home. They're not taking market share from Ritz-Carlton. No, of course they're not, but they would absolutely own their targeted demographic. Yeah. They would probably take market share from from uh, uh, Motel 6 and maybe even Super 8, but it's from those little things that we do. Uh, as Jim Rohn used to say, easy to do, easy not to do. Yeah, but I'm sure there's people that are listening to this thinking to themselves, but I can't always be there, Bob. Like, What happens when I'm not there? How do I make sure these things happen when I'm not there? And what's your answer to that? Uh, that's where leadership comes into play. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, this is setting a culture. Uh, any, you know, anyone can lead from any position, but a culture of leadership begins at the top. Yep. And it's something that you need to, um, to make known. It's something you need to constantly communicate, and it's something that you have to live by yourself. Yeah, and I think that what you just said is something you need to make known, and you need to train it into your staff. You, like you said, you need to build it into your culture. Culture. You, it's, need, to, yeah. you need to paint the, the picture of what good service looks like, and I think that's where people go wrong. They say, you know, provide good service, but we don't take that extra step you exactly. know, to go the extra mile for our employees to show them what that is, and I think that's where we fall short, and uh, again, I'm going to talk. I'm just going to. I know this is your time to shine, but again, Zingerman's book. No, it, go right ahead. It, sitting right here behind me, uh, it's a call, a guide to giving great service, and I think mm. that's just a great book for this first law of just going that extra mile. Because really, it's about increasing that. Uh, you know, going above what's beyond what people expect us to give. Um, but another thing that you mentioned in the book that really just sung to me um, that I think is worth mentioning before we go on to that second law is um, you have to have a greater passion for what you are giving than what you are getting. What does that mean, Bob? This is where focus comes into play. Uh, that doesn't mean you don't care about making money. It doesn't mean you don't care about making a profit. Of course you do, and you should. Otherwise, you don't have a business. It means the focus is in the right place. John and I often say that money is simply an echo of value. Mm-hmm. It's the thunder, if you will, to values lightning, mm-hmm. which means the value comes first, and, and you must focus on providing that value. Um, the... The money is simply a very natural and direct result of the value you provide. Years ago, when I was in, when I was in, uh, soon after I started doing well in sales, I was working for a company, uh, the one I eventually ended up being sales manager of. But uh, I had come back after a a non-selling appointment, (laughs) and uh, I and I I blew the sale. I I, um, missed the sale, Mm -hmm. and it was someone who really would have benefited from the product. And I remember the one of the people there, one of the kind of older guys who I think he was just about to retire because I don't remember seeing him much after that, but nice guy. And he, he took me aside and he said, Berg, uh, you know, are you open to some advice? And fortunately, I'm, I'm usually open to advice. And I said, yeah, of course. He said, if you want to make a lot of money in sales, he said, don't have making money as your target. Mm. Your target is serving others. Mm-hmm. Now, when you hit the target, he continued, you'll get a reward. 
the reward will come in the form of money. And mm -hmm. you can do with that money whatever you choose. But never forget, the money is simply the reward for hitting the target. It's not the target itself. The target is serving others. Absolutely. Or whatever it is that you're passionate about, whatever it is that you're you're good at, whatever you bring to the table, if you make it about giving that talent you have, giving that passion you have, sharing that passion onto others, that's when life starts to turn around for you. You don't make money your goal. And I can't help but think of Frank Bonanano, a recent guest on the show. And he said, if you open a restaurant to make money, you're going to be unhappy. <laughs> right. And that, well, and that's the point. And, and see what he said can be misinterpreted when someone takes it out of context, mm -hmm. because it's almost like he's saying, oh, no, just, you know, have passion for the, about the business and don't care about making money. But no, that's not what he's saying. Mm -hmm. He's saying, put your focus in the right place. Mm -hmm. He said, you are opening the restaurant. Yes, because you have a joy for it. It's, it's who you are. It's what you do. You just love the idea of making people happy when they come to your restaurant, providing them with a fantastic out of this world wonderful dining experience right you do on. that care about that and the money comes not because of some magical mystical type of thing no for very um concrete reasons yeah i love it i really do and i have to exercise some discipline i could talk all day about this but we have four more laws to cover in our short time and this is just turning out to be a great interview so thank uh, you <laughs> okay the second law the law of compensation which is your income is determined by how many people you serve and how well you serve them and this is kind of going off that success quarter mantra you shared with us earlier so what does that mean let's dive into that a little bit more Sure. Well, where law number one says to give more in value than you take in payment, law number two tells us that the more people whose lives you add this kind of exceptional value to, the more money with which you'll be rewarded. Mm -hmm. As Nicole Martin, the CEO in the story, told Joe, the protege, law number one is, you know, that represents your potential income, but providing great value alone isn't enough. Law number two represents your actual income because it represents the number of people whose lives you impact with that value. In other words, Eofrate can't be providing exceptional value to just one patron and expect to stay in the restaurant business. Exactly. So we, we need to also have uh, lots and lots and lots of people. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, I think when people hear us talking about, you know, uh, providing value to as many people as possible. The best way to do that is to open a bunch of restaurants and to create this cookie cutter uh, model where you just franchise your chain. I have to be honest, I'm really not a huge fan of, of that model, but there's other ways to do it. The way that I'm truly passionate about, the way I want to teach to my listeners and to teach the people that discover restaurants stoppable um, uh, and that's by duplicating yourself. And I actually learned this from a past guest, David Long. This comes from his teachings of duplicating yourself. And uh, what he talks about is basically we need to recreate ourselves. And if we can recreate ourselves and uh, help mentor and grow people so that they want they will someday leave our restaurants to go open their own restaurants help them do that but help them do it as a restaurant group right and then now you're able to mentor these people develop these people to teach them kind of like the people do in your your book bob right they develop the next wave of go-givers right sure sure so how can we influence people in the restaurant industry how can we touch as many people in the restaurant industry well we can get as many guests as possible but we can also mentor people and develop professionals and grow laterally and invest in the dreams and passions of our people under the restaurant group 
uh, that's just an idea that I that popped into my head while reading your book, while listening to, to David Long. Do you have anything you want to add to that or other ways we can touch more people? Well, you know, a, a restaurant doesn't even have to be a franchise in order to attract, you know, in order to serve more people. It can. I mean, that's certainly a model, too. But I, I know many. I remember there was a restaurant back where I grew up in Massachusetts, the uh, Hilltop Steakhouse. Oh, where are you from, um, Massachusetts? I, I grew up in Natick. Oh, really? I'm not too far away from there. I'm in uh, southern New Hampshire. Oh, OK. Yeah. Cool. And uh, it was right on Route 1, uh, Frank Jafrida's Hilltop Steakhouse. Yeah. And uh, by the time you got there at about 1130, the line was around the parking lot. (laughs) I mean, this was a place that was so good at what they did. They served an absolute ton of people and they expanded from, you know, from a a bar and sandwich shop uh, 30 years earlier or whatever to uh, to having a, you know, an empire there. You know, so so we see plenty of restaurants that do very well with just one one location. Yeah. And they, uh, you know, but they do a great job or you can expand or you can do exactly what you said. I mean, all these ways are great ways of touching lots of lives. And that's the key. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I think that's a, probably a short one that we, we touched on. Unless there's anything else you want to add to that before we move on to the next law. No, no, that's okay. All right, cool. We're going to dive into the next law. But before we do, let's just take a quick minute to thank today's sponsor. Do you want to make your dream of owning a restaurant a reality? Then you must check out Live Plan. Live Plan makes business planning easy, allowing you to create an expert business plan so you can impress investors and get funded. Live Plan sets you up for success and takes care of the business details so you can spend more time focusing on your goals, such as creating a delicious menu, getting ready for your grand opening, and becoming the talk of the town. To learn more, visit liveplan.com slash unstoppable. Again, that's liveplan.com slash unstoppable. Now back to the show. So the next law, the third law, the law of influence, which is your influence is determined by how abundantly you place other people's interests first. Dive into that law and how that, you know, what that means to you. Yeah, that, you know, that's another one that when you first hear it, it sounds, again, very counterproductive, right? Uh, your, your influence is determined by how abundantly you place other people's interests first. Mm. And yet, <laughs> the greatest leaders, top influencers, most successful uh, salespeople, highest money earning salespeople, uh, this is how they run their lives and conduct their businesses. Their focus is in the right place. It's on providing value to others. Now, uh, let me qualify this for a moment because this is very important. Again, it's one of those statements that can be very easily that can very easily be misinterpreted out of context. So, when we say place the other person's interests first, we certainly don't mean that you should be anyone's doormat or a um, martyr or self-sacrificial in any way. Absolutely not at all. It's simply understanding that as several of the mentors told Joe, the golden rule of business is nothing more than that all things being equal, people will do business with and refer business to those people they know, like, and trust. Mm -hmm. And there's no faster, more powerful, or more effective way to elicit those feelings toward you from others than by genuinely and authentically moving from what we call an I focus or me focus to an other focus, looking for ways to make their lives better, 
happier, more enjoyable, whatever it happens to be that you, you know, that you do. Yeah. Uh, you know, and when you when you have that, it, it means that rather than you know pushing a certain food on to the customer, it means you know you're more interested in what they want. Yeah, and, and uh, <laughs> listening to you talk, I can't help but think of a podcast I listened to uh, not recently, but back in the day a little bit. Uh, David Woods, the Kick Ass Life podcast, and he, in that podcast, he's talking about uh, when you approach somebody and you uh, say you, you punch them in the face, right? Bob, say I approach you, a complete stranger, I punch you in the face. What are you going to want to do back to me? Well, I'm probably not going to be very happy. I, I might <laughs> want to hit you back, but I probably wouldn't dare do so, but, yeah. but I might want to. Now, if I you know, start from the beginning, now we're approaching each other, and I'm walking down the street, and I hand you $100, what would you want to do to me? I'll probably say thank you. Yeah, or pay me back some way, somehow mm-hmm. in the future. So you know, the idea is if, if you – the way you treat people, the, what you do to people is what they're going to end up doing back to you. If you're, and if you make it about uh, winning, or, then you're thinking about yourself and not others, and this, this approach just won't work. But I also think about Danny Meyer's words, which is um, – and trying to relay this back into the restaurant industry. And I'm uh, just going to stop real quick. If you guys hear that noise that's kicking up, it's a downpour. <laughs> I apologize. You might hear some uh, thunder booms in the background too. No, could, couldn't even couldn't even hear it. Okay, just a little caveat. Back to the story. Um, Danny Myers uh, in the restaurant industry, he says it doesn't matter who's right. And what's he mean by this? And where does this come up? Think about when people come to you with complaints. Your customers come to you with complaints, and it's all about he says writing the end of the story. Uh, I'm not arguing about who's right. Really, what's important is making sure that they leave happy and that their best interests are taken care of. And if you do that, um, that's, I mean, that's what matters. Like it, it will come back to serve you in the long run. If you don't care about your ego, you don't care about whatever money you're going to lose in that single transaction. If you just care about making sure the other person wins in the long run, you will win. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Great point. Yeah. Great. Can you think of any other way to tie that into the restaurant industry? Well, it's also as the leader, uh, it's it's providing the context, creating a context for your wait staff and management to thrive, for them to learn to do things in a way that not only helps the customers, but in a way that helps themselves, helps them to grow, helps them to learn the industry, helps them to receive more in-use value than even what they're being paid. Okay, so it's 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 touching everyone's lives in in such a way that everyone gains increase as a result yeah and i'm curious in your opinion how significant is uh just listening to this law uh in what regard oh yeah i oh is how it is listening oh listening's key yeah. because that you know first of all what what is selling okay and because that because everything about this is about selling okay that when we and it's when we look at selling in the correct way because many people misdefine selling they think selling is something you do to someone but it's not it's something you do with someone or for someone exactly. they might think selling is trying to convince someone to buy something they don't want or need not at all selling is simply discovering what the other person needs wants or desires and helping them to get it. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you ask, you know, the wait person asks the customer what they want, <laughs> other than a restaurant that just, you know, whose whose niches they have one or two things and they decide. But but by and large, you know, we give them the menu, we ask them what they want, and then we get it for them. Yeah. Um, which doesn't mean we can't suggest and do things in a creative way and make it an experience, of course. But as a as the leader in the restaurant, as the owner, it's your job to tie the goals that you have for your restaurant with the goals, the needs, the wants, the desires, the values of those who are working in your organization. And you listen in order to do that. And you listen in order to sell them on how they can best benefit, which of course benefits you at the same time. Exactly. And I think a lot of people in this industry, they're opening a restaurant. uh, They're trying to create something that they think is going to work, something that they want. Uh, and they, they launch it into Marketplace and nobody shows up. And you, you really have to take that time early on to listen and to first seek to understand like those seven laws of highly effective people. First seek to understand to listen to what people want. What are those um, those interests that people have? Like what, what are they looking for in their community that they can't find? If you can take the time to listen to people's interests, then you can abundantly you know bring whatever it is they're looking for to them in your concept and uh that's just another way i thought about this law of just influence by you know your influence is determined by how abundantly you place other people's interests first but you got to know what those interests are so take the time in all transactions uh just to listen to what people are looking for don't assume anything Beautifully said. Beautifully said. Uh, thank you. Uh, so let's go on to the next law, which is the fourth law, and that is the law of authenticity. The most valuable gift you have to offer is yourself. Dive into that. Yeah, well, in the story, Deborah Davenport related that one of the biggest lessons she learned, one of the most valuable lessons she learned was that all the skills in the world, the sales skills, technical skills, people skills, as important as they are, and they are indeed all very important, they're also all for naught if you don't come at it from your true authentic core. Mm. Now, on the other hand, when you, as we like to say, show up as yourself day after day, week after week, month after month, people feel good about you. People know you, they like you, they trust you, they feel safe with you. Uh, there's a consistency there that that uh, cause people to trust you even more. Um, so long as you're now being yourself doesn't mean that if you're a nasty person that you act nasty toward people. That's you know that's not very productive. Uh, but it does mean that you're continually growing into the best authentic version of yourself. So we, we, while we always want to be ourselves, and that's key, uh, we don't let that stop us from improving. We don't take the lazy person's way out and say, well, I've got an anger issue and I yell at people a lot and that's the way I am. And if I uh, do anything different, that wouldn't be authentic. That's baloney. That's a cop out. Uh, it means that, that you realize that you have an authentic problem that you need to authentically uh, work on <laughs> in order to be a more effective, authentic person. Mm-hmm. Uh, the real you is not an angry person who yells at others. The real you is someone who, while they may have those feelings, is emotionally mature enough to control them and do what's going to work out for everyone involved. 
Yeah. Um, you know, when I was reading this, this part of your book, this fourth law of authenticity, I couldn't help but think about where I was when I started Restaurant Unstoppable. The questions I was asking my, re- my restaurant tours about the decor and what things are you doing in your restaurant. And, you know, I always I was focusing on all the wrong stuff. And over time, I learned that successful people in this industry um, are just great people, good people who care about others and do great things onto others. And it's about people go to that restaurant a lot of, not a hundred percent of the reason why, but because of who's in that restaurant, like sure. the, the core values that you have that you pass on to others. And it's because of this law. Um, this, this law had a, a lot of influence on me uh, when I started switching the, the, uh, the focus on restaurant unstoppable about what people are doing and who people are. Uh, and that's really, that was a, a changing point for me in restaurant unstoppable. So I wanted you to know that cause it really oh, did thank impact you. me. No, thank you. But I started focusing on who these people are because like you say, it's 90% of who you are, your core, the core about who you are that people come to and why they keep on visiting you. Right. So mm-hmm. uh, that was just a huge, uh, you know, uh, I guess aha moment for me and an awakening for me. Um, do you want to add anything onto that? Well, I mean, I, 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 as you're talking about that, I'm thinking of a restaurant I go to uh, every weekend. And uh, I go there because of the people there. And I go there because of the culture of the place. Uh, it's a friendly staff. They know your name when you come in. Uh, they work as a team together. You never, you never see them smirking at each other or being snarky. It's a fantastic atmosphere. Uh, everyone feels valued when they walk into the place. Uh, the food's also good. Mm. Now, notice the last part of that was the food. Now, obviously, if the food wasn't good, I probably wouldn't eat there. No, the food's good, but there's a lot of good food. Yeah. You're opening a restaurant. I hope you know how to cook, right? Right. Exactly. That's the entry fee for getting in the game. You know, the the food needs to be good. That's what we call the MacGuffin. That's the object around which the story revolves, but it's never what the story's about. Exactly. Yeah. And, um... Just real quick, uh, one other lesson I learned from listening to people that kind of ties into this whole law of authenticity is you're going to be at your restaurant a lot. And if you create a restaurant that is an extension of your personal brand, of somebody, of an extension of who you are and what your core values are, what your beliefs are, uh, that's tied personally into your personal mission, it's going to make showing up to work a lot easier every day when you don't have to show up to something that's not you. Um does that make sense? Oh, great. That's a, a great point. Absolutely. The, you know, the hardest thing to do is to try to remember who you're supposed to be. Exactly. And, uh, and people can smell it too. Like if they're, if you're putting on a show, if, if you're trying to be something you're not, you're trying to sell something you're not, people can, they have a BS meter and they're going to, they're going to sense it. So it's so easy. It's so much easier to be authentic and to show up just using your restaurant as a, a, a extension of your personal brand. Exactly. Um, so the last law, I know we're really running short on here on time. We're going to wrap it up. Uh, the last law is the law of receptivity. And that's basically the the key to effective giving is to stay open to receiving. Why is that so important, Bob? Well, because just like, you know, we, we breathe out, which is, you know, uh, very necessary, but we also have to breathe in. So, yes, you need to provide just exceptional, over-the-top, fantastic value, a superb buying experience, do this with everyone, place their interests first, be yourself. And when you do all this, you have set in motion a superb clientele Mm -hmm. who's handing you a lot of money. 
and you've got to be willing and able to receive that money. Mm-hmm. So it means while the focus is on the giving, you need to allow the receiving. And unfortunately, because of so many of the messages we receive from the world, uh, which have to do with lack, which have to do with money's a bad thing, and you know people who have a lot of money have done something wrong, you know, and and that's the culture we live in, and, and unfortunately, and, and many people just on a on an unconscious level believe that, and because of that, you know, it's very easy to sabotage yourself yeah. and not allow yourself to receive. But when you have done, when you followed the first four laws, you have earned the right. To receive, not the entitlement, the right to receive. You need to be willing to do it because all the giving in the world, as great as it is, it's all for naught if you're not willing and able to receive in like measure. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, you said that beautifully. And uh, one of the things that I was thinking of uh, when reading this book and applying it to the restaurant industry is a lot of people, uh, we talk about that, uh, the, the very first law, tying into the first law where you say your income, or sorry, um, the law of value, your true worth is determined by how much more you give in value than you take in payment. And I think this is where people kind of go wrong. They try to lower, um, they try to lower the, the, what they take in payment. Uh, to increase the margin for value, right? And I think that's kind of a, right. a trap people get into. Like the guy down the street, he just knocked 10% or 5% off his his whatever, our, the burger that we offer, a very similar burger. Now we need to drop our prices. Don't get caught. In no, that. no. You never want to sacrifice uh, the cost because what's going to happen is your value is going to go down. If, if you right. don't have that money coming in, your value is going to find a way to go down. And people, you see it with couponing, with Groupon was a big problem in the restaurant industry, people lowering the, the value of their food. Um, so what do you think of that? Well, remember, we train people how to buy from us. Mm-hmm. And if you train people to to only buy because you're discounting all the time, they expect a discount. And that discount is no longer a discount. Mm-hmm. The discount holds no no intrinsic value, and now your regular price is too high for them. So you've totally repositioned your value to them in a negative way. When you try and sell on low price, okay, when, unless your name is Walmart. If your last name is Walmart, by all means, make low price your unique selling proposition. That's fine. They do well with that. Mm-hmm. But for the rest of us, when we sell on price, we are a commodity. Mm-hmm. When we sell on value, we're a resource. Mm. Now, if your price for whatever reason happens to be lower, okay, that's fine, but don't sell on that. Mm-hmm. Sell on the experience that you're providing. See, I feel like, Bob, this is like one of my weaknesses. I feel like just me personally, even like with this podcast, I struggle with asking uh, for things. I, I, I give a lot with these episodes, two to three episodes a week for over two years now, and I, I struggle. I don't like to ask. I, I mean, a lot of your, your book has to do with my whole you know idea of just give, 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 and if you can help enough people, if you can serve enough people with time, it will come back around you some way, somehow. And it has, don't get me wrong. It's like there's been some great opportunities because of this podcast, but I struggle with asking, but it's not magic. It's not a matter of just give, give, give. And then, you know, magically all, all of a sudden things are going to just happen. Sometimes they will. Don't get me wrong. It just, but no, you've still got to ask for the order. Mm. You know, you, you still got to ask for the order. You ask for the sale. And if you need something from someone, you ask. I, I can see you selling advertising on this on 
this site and, and charging a pretty penny for it. You've look at the niche market you're working. Uh, you know that you you've got people. Uh, yeah, exactly. So uh, no, being a go giver does not mean that you don't make a profit. Being a go giver means you make a great profit because you understand the immense value that you're providing others, and you understand that when you do that, receiving is a very important part of it. Awesome. Well spoken, my friend. Uh, so those are the five laws. Again, from the top, the law of compensation, the law of influence, the law of authenticity, and the law of receptivity. Uh, again, this book is incredible. Uh, it's two hours on audio, guys. Uh, I don't know. It's so easy to get through. I, I listened to it at times, too, before we started today in an hour. Mm-hmm. prepare for this I, and, and all of listen to this book four times uh it will change the way you look and perceive the world it's definitely something to go check out uh this book you can get it for free if you're not a member of audible or audible.com you can go sign up at audibletrial.com slash unstoppable get a free version of this book um you will not regret it and uh you've been such an incredible guest bob um Thank you so much for uh, joining us today. Is there any last thoughts? Anyways, uh, we can connect with you before I let you go, before I have you call somebody out. Um, nope. Appreciate being on the call. I wish you and I wish everyone listening the very best of success. Keep uh, keep serving lots of people and providing them lots of value as you do it. And I'll have the links in the show notes to the book, uh, The Go-Giver and Berg.com uh, and TheGoGiver.com. Just head over to RestaurantUnstoppable.com slash 240. You'll find all the links right there. Is there a best way to connect with you? Yeah, uh, I, I'd say go to thegogiver.com, and while you're there, you can get a uh, chapter of the book to see if you like it um, before uh, clicking through to purchase your copy if you'd like. And there's also there's uh, our The Go-Giver podcast you can subscribe to. And check out the Go-Giver Sales Academy on that page. This is a, a very special two-day program that will be a game-changer for you. So we invite you to uh, take a look at that as well. Ooh, I'll have to check that one out personally. So again, you can find all those links at restaurantstoppable.com slash 240. I'll have the links right there. And um, the last thing we need to do, Bob, is call somebody out. And that's actually how I found you. Jim Palmer called you out. So who do you want to call out? Well, the only people I would know are the people who actually own restaurants that I um – uh, that I go to <laughs> as a patron since I'm actually not in the field my, myself. So, uh, you know, uh, so I would say uh, Terry from um, uh, from Juno Beach Cafe would be fantastic. All right, Jerry, look, or Terry, look out, Terry. I'm coming after you. I'd love to get you on the show. Bob, thank you so much for joining us today and uh, covering your book, The Go-Giver, an incredible book. Uh, there's no questioning. You are unstoppable. <laughs> There's another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. I hope you guys enjoyed it. So a couple of things before I let you go. I'm now offering free one-on-one 15-minute chats. If you want to get inspired, if you need to get just a little motivation, or if you have some questions about some of the things we talked about on the show, you can now chat with me for free 15 minutes. Head over to Restaurant Unstoppable to find the links. Don't forget that we have a complete list of all the books and resources our past guests have recommended. These are the books they read, the resources and tools they're using in their restaurant, the tools that are helping them be successful. A whole list archived right there at restaurantunstoppable.com. 
Don't forget to use my links if you really want to give back to the show. If you want to show your appreciation for all these episodes I'm putting out, the best way to support the show is to simply use my links when you discover something new that can help you in your restaurant. Thank you in advance. Also, keep those five-star reviews on iTunes and Stitcher Radio coming. And I can't finish without reminding you to keep those emails coming. I love your emails. They fire me up. They keep me going. Tell me who you want to hear from. Tell me what you love about the show. Tell me anything. I'm here for you. Just shoot me an email, eric at restaurantunstoppable.com. All right, that's all we have for today. I hope you're enjoying this journey as much as I am. Thanks again for joining me. Until next time, peace 